Our sermon passage today is Hebrews 4, 11 through 13. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. The word of the Lord. So now our Father and our God. In the name of Jesus the Son, Jesus the Savior, and Jesus the Lord, we come and we look to you. And this is our prayer, Father. Our prayer is this. Cause us to know our need of your grace. Cause us to long for mercy. Cause us to know confidence and hope and peace in the person of Jesus. Perhaps for some of us in this room today, these are all new concepts, new realities, new truth, new words. Lord, cause Jesus to rest on those who need salvation. Perhaps in this room, These words have become so frequently used and so frequently talked about that we're no longer in awe of your grace, in awe of your mercy. We no longer stand in confident yet fearful hope before you. Lord, I would pray that you cause us to be renewed in our need to stand in your grace, to stand in your mercy, to stand in all of you, overwhelmed by who you are, transformed by your spirit. Lord, this is my prayer for all of us Today, may you begin with me and may that then work its way out through this congregation in such a way that we would leave here saying, we've met with the Lord and the Lord is at work and I'm changed. Father, would you do that this day, we pray in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen. If you haven't already, please take your Bibles, turn to the book of Hebrews in chapter 4. I have a little bit of a fear today, so let's, let's talk about my fear and then we'll, we'll dive into the scripture. Okay. But my fear is that when Suzanne read that passage about the word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword, we all just immediately went, yeah, yeah, the Bible. We're people of the Bible. And I brought the biggest Bible today, so I'm good. Now listen, we're going to get to the Bible. 
Because the Bible is the Word of God. The Bible is how we know God. It's how we know Christ. But what's being said here is bigger than ink on paper. What's being talked about in this passage is that the creator of the universe who created everything that exists by the power of His Word and who accomplishes salvation and eternity by the power of His Word, has now spoken to us in His Son and had the testimony of His revelation revealed to us so that we can know Him. But it's the Word that works on us and not us who works through the Word. And so my hope today is that we get a whole different vision of the Bible than, oh, yeah, 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 I know we're supposed to read it because it's true. And, you know, like, like look, this church, we love the Scripture. We, we love, like, like, our theology. We love to think about theology. Like, some of you bring three Bibles in here. Some of you have Bibles fatter than, like, three owner's manuals. Some of you are doing seven Bible studies a week. Every night. Somewhere with somebody. And I don't have a problem with any of that unless the Bible becomes a content through which we fill our head so that we can feel superior because we know more than other people. Because that was never the point. What's overwhelming about the Scripture is that God has spoken in such a way that people recorded it without error, but also in such a way that it is living and active and continues to speak to people in different generations, in different places, in different times, from different ethnic backgrounds than the people who originally heard it. And it's still alive, and it's still powerful, and it still works. So the point of this passage is not so much get your Bible and get a Bible study and get an accountability group as it is this. Stand in awe of the God who speaks and speaks in a way that He can be heard and believed and followed. And then open your Bible with that conviction. So let me just get it clear. I love the Scripture. We're for the Scripture. It's God's Word. It's without error. We're not questioning any of that. All I want to, to challenge you, based upon the authority of Hebrews chapter 4, is to think much more deeply about the Scripture, much more intently about what's going on in the Scripture than perhaps you ever had. Okay, we, we good here? All in favor of the Bible's God's Word? Yeah, we got that, okay? It's Jamie questioning that today. No, he is not, okay? Hebrews says it, but I want to get you there, maybe down a different road that overwhelms you and fills you with awe in God, okay? Everybody with me here? All right. Here's the truth. We know God through God's Word. We know God's Son through God's Word. God speaks through his word. So let's hear the word. Hear it. Hear it. Okay. There's a great sermon illustration sitting right here, but I'm afraid to use it because of the movie that it's in. But it's one thing to put Jimi Hendrix in and hit play and let the words kind of mingle out there. It's another thing to hear Jimi Hendrix. Maybe I could say it this way. 
I had a roommate in college who was a, um, <clears throat> a classical music major. He, he performs operas to this day. And so one night, we were going to study in our living room, and we needed some, some white noise, right? So I put in Mozart. To me, that's just white noise. He stands up, and he's like, what are you doing? White noise. Mozart's not white noise. You don't hear Mozart. You don't hear what's going on there. And I'm like, no. I don't. That's what I want us to think about today is not do I open the Bible and let the words flow through my mind, but do I hear what God is saying? Do I I meet with God and have God at work through his word? That's very, very, very different. That's what I believe the author of Hebrews is talking about. So That's what I'm challenging you to today. And if you lose respect for me because I watched white men can't jump, I'm sorry. So let's look at the text. First point, the God who speaks. The God who speaks. So what's going on in Hebrews 4 is it's a warning. And you guys are like, yeah, dude, we've been in this warning for three weeks. Let's move on, okay? But it's a warning Not only is it a warning, but it's a warning really based upon Psalm 95. So the author of Hebrews is is reflecting on and applying Psalm 95 to his people, to those to whom he's writing, right? But here's what's interesting. is There's this theme running through where he will quote from Psalm 95, but he will say, hear it today. Listen to the word today. So what's being evidenced in the way the author of Hebrews is writing this passage is that he doesn't believe Psalm 95 is words on a page written generations ago for people long ago, but rather it's God speaking to his people in such a way that we need to hear it and believe it today. Today then being 2,000 years ago, but that was still several centuries from when it had been, Psalm 95 had been written. Okay, you guys kind of tracking with me here? So there's this theme of hear God, listen to his word, hear God, listen to his word. And then the warning running through this passage is cling to Jesus. Make sure that you're not resting on anything but faith in God's son as your standing before God. That's the warning running through this passage, reiterated in verse 11. And then he makes this somewhat obscure shift in verse 12 to, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from, and you might expect, It's sight if he's primarily talking about a recorded book, but he's not. He says no creature is hidden from his sight being God's sight. But all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. So hear me clearly. Ultimately, we know God's word through the scripture. But what he's talking about here is the overwhelming reality that God speaks. 
speaks, and he speaks in such a way that he can be heard and understood and known and believed. It's God who is the overwhelming active agent in making sure that we have his word. So God's word is powerful action. Throughout the scripture, we're told that God created everything. God created life through what? Through the power of his word. We're told that God has revealed himself through prophets. He's revealed himself in the scripture, which is his word. We're told that God brings salvation through his son, Jesus, who is called his word. And we're told that the power of God unto salvation is the gospel. That's Romans 1, verses 16 and 17, which is his word. And so the overwhelming reality is that God always acts, and God always reveals, and God always moves in power through his word. Okay? That's what the scripture is telling us. And so when here in verse 12 it says, for the word of God, what he's talking about is God speaking. He's talking about God revealing. He's talking about God saving. He's talking about God acting. And God always does that through his powerful word. So for example, just a few things. If you went back to Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. Long ago, that's how the whole book began. Long ago, at many times and in many places, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, He's spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed the heir of all things, through whom also He created the world. So what we're told in Hebrews 1, 1 and 2 is God has spoken. God has spoken. God has revealed. God works in power. And he's done it in all these many ways throughout history. But now the last and final and definitive revelation that God has given is through his son, Jesus. So how do we know this word of God? How do we know Jesus? The answer is through the Scripture, empowered by the Holy Spirit, is how we know Jesus. It's how we know the Word of God. And the message that has been given to us in the Scripture is everything that we need to know God. So the Scripture is for us today how we hear and know and respond to the Word of God. But it's not a book full of words on a page. It's God speaking to His people in a way that is living and active. So much so that Paul would write in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, all Scripture, that is God's Word compiled for us, is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So here's what I want to get at today. It is through the powerful word of God that God moves and he acts and he reveals and he saves. So what we need is to hear and to receive and to believe 
the Word of God. So God created by His Word. God reveals Himself through His Word. God brings salvation through His Word. Jesus is the ultimate Word. But for us, centuries after Jesus, how do we know Jesus? Through the Scripture. How do we know God's revelation? Through the Scripture. How do we know of God's work in the world and how to understand it? Through the Scripture. Because we're promised in 2 Timothy 3 that the Scripture gives us everything we need that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So the question is not, should I long to know God through His Word, the Bible? The question is not, do I need the Bible? But the question is, what is going on in the Bible? And what is going on in the Bible is God is speaking. God is revealing. And what we need is the Spirit who spoke the Word to give us understanding and make us ready to hear and believe the Word. Okay, Jamie, boil that down for me. The overwhelming reality for us is that God speaks. The overwhelming reality is that God wants to be known, and he wants us to know him, and he wants us to know his ways, and he wants us to know his power, and he wants us to know his truth, and he wants us to know his work in the world, and he wants us to depend upon him and need him and trust him. God speaks in that way, and he has powerfully and sovereignly recorded that in the Scripture. But the Scripture is not this book of words It is God speaking in such a way that we are to meet with God and hear God and believe in God and know God and trust God. It's it's a powerful revelation is what the Scripture is. And so that leads us to the, the second point of this sermon and I think the main point of this passage His powerful word. His powerful word. What does God's powerful word do? This passage tells us that God's powerful word does three things. Number one, God's powerful word is living and active. Number two, God's powerful word is sharp and piercing. And number three, God's powerful word is discerning. So God's powerful word is living and active. Number two, God's powerful word is sharp and piercing. Number three, God's powerful word is discerning. Now, we could probably, if we were doing systematic theology or biblical theology, we could make a long list of other things that the Word of God does. But in this particular passage, what is being spoken of is how people who know the Lord and are a part of His covenant community don't um, continue to walk in His grace and heed the warning. And He's speaking directly to how the Word of God shows us our sin our need of grace, and draws us to Jesus. That's particularly what he's saying, how the powerful word of God does that. 
And so first, it's living and active. I think what that means is that it's living and active. It means that it's not dead and static or inactive. Now, if you go through those doors, you'll find my library. And there are hundreds of books that are filled with words. They're words on a page. I think most of them are pretty good. Some of them are really helpful. Some of them are kind of funny. But at the end of the day, they are neither alive nor active. They're just words written in the past. Actually, I found a quote this morning that I wanted to use as the introduction of my sermon. It was good. It was good. It was, about, it was from a book called The Trivialization of God. And I thought, you know, this was written in the mid-80s. I should probably Google this author. Yeah, he's made a lot of moral failures in the last 30 years. Not going to quote him at the beginning of my sermon, particularly in this climate. But he said some nice things back in the 80s. That's not how we think about the Scripture because God is actively speaking to God's people through His Word. And until we get our mind around that, Bible study will just feel like chemistry. It'll just be me trying to understand the formula so I can check a box and pass an exam. But if, but if I understand that God is speaking and He somehow mysteriously and powerfully and filled with awe is able to take past words spoken to past people in past places and cause them to work in in me today. That is a mystery that boggles my mind. But that's what we're being told God's word is. It's living. It's alive. It bears fruit. It yields life. And it's active. It is moving. It is not sitting still. I, mean, you, you, I think those of you who are parents, like we all have that one kid that we're like, could you just be still and be quiet for 12 seconds? Like anybody besides the Mosleys have that kid? You can nod. I know your kids are in here. Right, yeah. Back in the back, I got like hands in the air. Okay. <laughs> I mean, that, that, that's funny, but it gets you to the point. Like you're like, this kid can't be still for six seconds. He can't stop talking. That's overwhelming to me. I'm an introvert. I need a nap. And my voice sounds like a pubescent boy. <laughs> so the next time you open your scripture, think about that kid. Because what we're told is the word doesn't sit still. And it is not quiet. Because God's word is living and active. So what that means, the scripture says it is God's word revealed for us. So either the scripture is living and active or it's worthy of being tossed in the trash and there's no middle ground. That's the fun one. It gets a little more uncomfortable as we go from here. Second, tells us that his powerful word is sharp and piercing. Sharp and piercing. So we get these medical metaphors, or, or these, just 
barrage of metaphors. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. So, I mean, anybody practice sword sharpening yesterday? It's kind of a thing we don't do. Any students of metallurgy here? Okay, it's not, not really a thing we do these days. That's um, so why all of our razor blades come from Germany. But anyway, um, but the idea of sharper than any two-edged sword is that, that it's sharper than the weapon of battle. It's sharper than the weapon that gets carried into battle to defend life. It's sharp, meaning it accomplishes what it's going to do. It's able to cut through anything. So there is nothing that the Word of God cannot cut through. Now, just, can we just pause on that for a minute? Think about that person that you're afraid is so far from God, they're never going to hear and believe. What do they need? They need to hear the Word of God. I mean... Look, I am all about being a good neighbor. I'm all about befriending people who are far from the Lord. I'm all about living missionally. We actually have a book study starting next week where we're going to talk about those things. And we had one last year, and we'll probably have one next year. And we're going to keep talking about it. But all of that is not so that we, through the power of our personality or our kindness or our good works, are going to save somebody. It's so they can meet God through his word. But the word cuts through everything. There is nothing that the word is not able to cut through. And if we believe that, I believe we live very differently. Now, think about your interpersonal tensions. Think about that person that just will not yield. Think about that person that won't repent of anything. Think about that person that knows it all and is always correct. Now, do they need you to bludgeon them into submission? Most of us think so. Some of us even think we're pretty good at it. No, the Word of God will cut through that hard heart. It's the Word of God that's sharper than any two-edged sword. So what we need is to meet the Lord in his word. That's the power. And then you get this language about piercing to the division of soul and spirit. And if you want a, a glorious exercise in missing the point, just Google that phrase this afternoon and look at everything that pops up. But it pierces, we're said, to the division of soul and spirit, to the division of joints and marrow. Like the idea is that the Word of God is able to pierce so deeply into a person that it's able to separate things that aren't even supposed to be separated. So the Word of God, we're said, is sharp and piercing, which means it's effective and it's accurate. It's effective, it, it, it accomplishes what it sets out to do, and it's accurate, meaning it cuts to the right place in the right way so that it accomplishes what needs to be accomplished. So that means as you look outward, you can say what my friends and my family and my neighbors and my coworkers need is to encounter the God who speaks through his word. How can I help them do that? But here's, the, here's how it turns. I told you it was going to get uncomfortable, right? Everybody's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but watch this. Watch this. This is how it comes backward, right? I can trust because it's accurate 
and because it's sharp and because it's effective, I can trust that what the Word of God's going to do in here is actually good. And I don't have to be afraid of it. And honestly, I think one of the biggest barriers to communion with God and one of the biggest barriers to really experiencing the power of the Word of God is the fear of what's going to be shown inside of us. But what this says is we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be afraid. Third, it's discerning. Discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. What this says is the scripture, the word of God, is able to discern everything as it really is, as it needs to be discerned, so that we can be prompted and convicted and moved in the right direction. You know, I have people come to my office all the time who are struggling with sin, struggling in relationship, perhaps struggling in marriage, struggling in parenting. Um, And I say something very simple that often just boggles their mind. And this is it. I don't know why you're trying to hide this from God. He already And most of us go, yeah, yeah, that's right, God knows everything. But that thing you're trying to hide right now, that thing that you're sitting on going, don't let it come out, don't let it come out, don't let it come out, don't let me be known for what I am, don't let me be, God knows. And he brought you here and he's speaking his word over you because he loves you and he cares for you and he wants you to be delivered and transformed. He already knows we don't have to pretend God, through his word, discerns everything. We are exposed. We Talk about a, a word picture. We are naked. We are laid bare before him, which means he sees it all. There's nothing to be hidden. And that's good for us. So in context, what this passage is saying is God knows the real state of your heart. And God's powerful word is and will expose that in a good way. The Bible, which is God's word, is how we connect to these truths. So, what I am arguing is that we need to know God in his power, in his holiness, in his mercy, and in his grace. And the way that we do that, that we connect to who God is, and we connect to his son Jesus, is through the word. We don't worship the word, we worship the God who speaks through the word. We don't look to words on paper to change us, but we look to the God who has spoken, and has spoken through his word to change us. And so the way that we know God, 
the way that we know Christ, the way that we know His mercy, the way that we know truth, and the way that we are transformed, and the way that we stay rooted in this world are through knowing God. But God has shown us those things through His powerful Word, which is given to us in the Scripture. So what do we do? Pastor, what do I do? I'm going to give you four things. And I'm intentionally trying to say these things a little bit differently to capture your attention. Number one, take your Bible, open it, and read it. Take the Bible, open it, and read it. Look under the seat in front of you if you don't possess a Bible. Or frankly, if you just don't like the Bible that you have, Reach under there, take one of those with you, and go. Wait, wait till we're done, and then go. But take it so that you can read it. If God has spoken through His Word, then then knowing and dwelling in the Word is a way of knowing and dwelling with God. So one thing we're doing here at Redeemer, we're studying the book of Hebrews, and I'm challenging anyone who will listen once a week to read the book of Hebrews. Once a week. That's 13 chapters. It's less than an hour of your life. Would you read the book of Hebrews with us every week? I've gotten a handful of emails. Maybe there's only like five of us doing it, but I've gotten a handful of emails saying, this is really, really good. Like I'm meeting the Lord. I'm I'm, I'm experiencing the the truth in a way that I never have. Sunday mornings are, are being different experiences for me because of how much I'm reading Hebrews. So maybe like think about it this way. If you think I'm a poor preacher, and you don't want to come back next week, like start reading Hebrews once a week, and, and all of a sudden I'll get better. It's, it's like magic. Seriously, I'm not going to get into how often or how much, but, but if our lives are not making space to open and read, we're missing a profound way to meet with God and experience His power and experience His grace. Number two, approach the Bible with a desire to hear and commune. Approach the Bible with a desire to hear and commune. Have you ever had a conversation with one of those people that just doesn't listen to anything you say? Look, these people are chuckling, so they're probably thinking of you over here, okay? But you know that person, like they end your sentences... They, they think they're anticipating what you're going to say, and they say, oh, yeah, I already know that, right? Like, you know that person? I think that's often how many of us approach God. We sit down. we got some assigned chapters we need to read. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I know that. Yep, that's good. Mm, good reminder. Mm, that's good. Amen. Thank you, God. No. But then have you ever had a really meaningful conversation where someone asks you good questions and they listen to your answers and then they commiserate with your feelings. And then, by the way, if, if you want to strengthen your marriage, just listen here, okay? Um, they, they commiserate with your feelings and then they ask more questions and then they listen more. And, and at the end of the day, you both walk away feeling heard and feeling cared for. Like, like, you know those kind of conversations? We need more of those in our lives. They don't happen on social media. But you know the ones I'm talking about? I think we should approach the scripture much like that. Like, God's speaking. I want to hear what he's saying. 
And not just on the surface level, hear what he's saying, but, but in that like, I hear the movements in Mozart. I hear the beauty in classical music. Like, I want to hear what God is saying. I want to hear his word resound over me. And I, this is really important, I commit to let God have the last word. Not my yeah, but, but what he has spoken. So approach the scripture willing, ready to hear and commune with God. And I, I, I'm just grasping for new words. Like here at Redeemer, we don't talk a lot about communing with God. We talk about prayer and Bible reading and evangelism and outreach and missions and proclaiming Christ and making disciples. But commune is a word of, of, of relationship. It's a word of togetherness. It's a word of, of I am in your presence and I am... am joyful to be there, and I'm benefiting from being there. That's what it means to commune with someone. And God didn't save us to check a box and sign us up for eternal security. He saved us to make us his children, and he saved us to make us a part of his family, and he saved us to restore us moment by moment and day by day, and he put us in the church, and he gave us the word so that we would know him and he would know us. So therefore, let's approach the word to commune with God. Like a good, long, heart-to-heart conversation over a good, warm cup of freshly brewed coffee that satisfies the soul. I'm not trying to, to trivialize what it is to meet with God, but come with that idea of I want to commune with God and I'm going to give God the last word. Now, one of our friends here at Redeemer, who, if this is new to you, this idea of like, how do I do that? One of our friends who, here at Redeemer who wants to remain nameless, and I kind of respect that, and I kind of don't. But each week, um, our friend is writing a prayer guide that, that goes along with the sermon passage. And so every Thursday, we send out, is that right, Andy, Thursday? Every Thursday, we send out an email that says, here's this week's sermon passage, and then here's a prayer guide. That, that, and the purpose of the prayer guide is to take the passage and give you questions to, to, to think about and pray over and speak to God that are intended to help us just kind of meet with Him and hear from Him. And so our friends doing this every week is a service to help us approach the Scripture in this way. Number three, as we approach the Scripture, dwell and pray. Dwell and pray. And in many ways, this fits right in with number two, and maybe they should have been the same point. But don't approach the Scripture as a box to be checked so that you can check it and move on as quickly as you need to. But approach the scripture to say, I'm going to dwell in the presence of God and I am going to speak to God about what I am seeing and hearing and learning. So approach the scripture to dwell and pray. Number four. Approach the scripture to respond appropriately. Approach the scripture to respond appropriately. And this is after you've heard. This is after you've listened. This is after you've asked questions. This is after you've communed. This is after you've prayed. Then to say, what do I need to change about me? Because the scripture is discerning. 
and it's sharp and it's piercing and it's living and active. And so if the Lord says you need to change this, then change it. If the Lord says you need to repent of this, then repent of it. If the Lord says you need to go and be reconciled, go and be reconciled. If the Lord says you need to stop and dwell more, stop and dwell more. If the Lord says you need to fast and fast. If the Lord says you need to turn away from something, turn away from it. If the Lord says you need to break a relationship because it's Killing your soul, then break the relationship. Whatever the Lord, through His Word, is guiding you to do, then be the people who respond, not the people who are always hearing and never arriving at the knowledge of truth. Excuse me, always learning, never arriving at the knowledge of truth. So, here's the thing. God will keep us through His Word. God has saved us through His Word. What we need is to meet with God through His Word. Because the Word of God is how God accomplishes His works in the world. So let us be a people, not of a book, but a people who meet with their God through the Scripture that He's given to us. Let us be those people. Friends, I can think of nothing more important, nothing more worthy of your time, and nothing more vital than to walk out of here today saying, I want to know the God who speaks in a, in a deeper way, in a richer way, in a fuller way, in a more changing way. I want to know God in that way. And the good news is the God who wrote the Scripture did so through His Spirit and He has given us that Spirit. He will help us every step of the way. So, how do we respond? We respond by saying, Lord, I need you. Lord, I want to meet with you. Lord, would you help me? One way that we do that here at Redeemer each week is we take the Lord's Supper. Worship team, you guys can go ahead and come up. We're going to take a piece of bread which symbolizes the body of Jesus broken for us. And we're going to take a cup of juice, which symbolizes the blood of Jesus poured out for us. And what we're saying in that is, Lord, I need you. I need your grace. I need you to speak into my life. I need your mercy upon me. Lord, would you be at work? So here at Redeemer Church, we're going to invite anyone who is a Christian. That's anyone who's professed faith in Jesus for salvation and made that salvation and that faith known to the church, we're going to invite you to take the bread and the cup with us. As we do so, we're declaring our need for God and His grace and His mercy and His work. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, maybe you're just exploring what it looks like to, to come to church, we'd ask that you let this bread and this cup pass, not to prevent you from anything, but but. Because we believe that nothing magical happens with the bread and the cup. And, and what we're doing when we take that is we're saying, I belong to Christ and he is mine. So perhaps today for the first time, some of you need to cry out to Jesus and say, would you help me? So we're going to sing. These guys are going to pass out the bread and the cup. And I'll come back in a few minutes and we'll take them together.